Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Welcome back to the Borough Breakdown podcast, live on Red Army Radio and on the podcast apps. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm Johnny with Dana and Elliot and Middlesbrough have had a week where we've been very inconsistent. One win, one loss, uh, a weight win to Reading and today's defeat at home to Cardiff City, which leaves Middlesbrough on 50 points. Technically, are we safe? Are we not safe? It's still yet to be decided, obviously, with Wigan Wigan point deduction is yet to be confirmed, so Middlesbrough might have taken it down to the last day as it stands at the moment. But guys, I want to chat about Reading first. I want to get some positivity flowing after that performance we've just witnessed there. Probably wasn't the best performances. And you know what? Every Saturday when we come on to do a podcast, um, we're on a defeat, so I'm trying to be as positive as we can here. Um, so let's chat about Reading first, guys. A massive result Tuesday night. Away at Reading, it's Sorborough going to a 4 2 3 1 formation. Tav came in the side as well as Dykesteel. Um, Spence played a little bit further up. Roberts came back in. Fletcher was the sole striker. It worked really well. Uh, we end up picking pick up the, the, the 2 1 win. But, guys, I want to hear your thoughts on the performance first, Dana. Um, it was a really good win, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And I mean, especially considering that we went a goal down, usually we've really caved when that's happened so you're not really expecting us to get back into the game but in fairness when I was watching it I thought this game isn't over here I mean the goal was disappointing obviously Savile was off the pitch I think uh I think Savile was actually was actually marking uh Liam Moore but what turned out to be poor uh defensive marking from Marvin Johnson unfortunately that happened again today um, but we picked ourselves back up and we obviously got that goal before half time, which is massively important for confidence. Uh, and then <laughs> Roberts, Roberts had a, a weird game because he had that run inside where it was just a really tame shot straight at the goalkeeper. Uh, and then he hits that, that second one, that second chance at the back of the net. And then it was that joy and jubilation. And then the realization that you've got about, I think eight minutes plus five minutes stoppage time to wait for the full time whistle. It was like that red faction chant. It's a heartache, nothing but a heartache. And yeah, I was on the I was on the edge of my seat. Um, 
with my dad uh, as well, waiting for that that final whistle, and thankfully we got it. It was a massive, massive win. Mm, it, it was it was a huge win, and else um, in a curious case of George Savile, um, have we found his best position yet in defensive midfield? Uh, potentially, yeah. And I think uh, one interesting point which Dana was saying during the week is that we think possibly Paddy McNair is his, uh, is his problem. Um, perhaps just kind of occupying the, the space on the pitch. I think uh, if there's people trying to do poss- possibly a similar role to him, um, then, you know, he's kind of, you know, he's boxed in too much. There's not much space to operate. Um, so, yeah, potentially, I think he needs to have the the space to, to operate in and, and kind of dictate the tempo really yeah it, it did it did look like he was much more well suited to that position than he has been in, in, in previous weeks where he's played in ver- variety of positions over the last few years but you never know Tony Pulis said he could potentially be a Millsborough captain and he showed his passion when we scored and that's, that's all going to go for he but was really know. good he, to be fair he was really good against Reading he was picking up those uh, those second balls and basically mo- doing that mopping up sort of job um, and I think sometimes that sort of play goes under the radar doesn't really get uh, noticed as much but he was excellent on Tuesday night to be fair and I, I just really really hope that we start to see more of that from George Savile because it's been long overdue let's be honest Seven million pounds, George Savile. <laughs> we'll never I stop saying that, will we? Yeah, I think um, just in terms of uh, that game though, and, and why he possibly played well, I think we were saying it um, in sort of the the preview um, before the Reading game was that you know we um, we might play better against Reading because we struggle against teams who can pass the ball around, um, and I think when we were looking at Reading's stats and the way they play, um, you know, lo and behold, we ended up. Did play a lot better, and it was it was a little bit better on the eye than some other recent games and today. Um, I think it was the fact that we were able to kind of be in control at times and pass the ball around. Um, so I think it plays into George Savile when he's not. I think when we're just trying to force long balls forward, he's he's out of the game because it's going over his head and then back the other way. Um, so it worked really really well for him in in the Reading game. Yeah, and obviously that, that that win took us to fifty points, and there was some really good performances in in that game. Obviously, Anthony Dagsteel came back into the team, and I thought he played very very well. Um, Patrick Roberts played well. I know he got he got he got pretty much hammered in in Borough Twitter. Um, the, the game obviously before the game, saying why is he in the team, and also does he really bring much? Then he had two assists. Uh, well, not two assists. He, he assisted and obviously scored as well. He showed his real quality there. I thought in the game, but. There's a player I want to chat about um, is Marcus Tavernier. Um, I think he's been absolutely excellent over the last couple of games. And Dan, I want to come back to a, a comment you made at the start of the season around Tavernier. Um, around him, you, you don't think he's you think he's bang average, not he's that good. But given the performances post the COVID restart, have you been really impressed with him? And are you going to take the humble pie comment back? Oh, we're never going to let that comment go, are we? We're just going to have that on repeat all the time. Um, no, to be fair, he was the best, by far the best player on the pitch against Reading. Uh, there was that moment where he knocked it past their full-back um, and he, he burst in the box and I think it was... Fle- he fed it to Fletcher, who I think just missed. Um, and today again, I think today against... Uh, well, in in today's game, I thought he was excellent. Um, and I mean, the the humble pie has been in the 
in the oven, out the oven, back in the oven, out the oven. But to be fair, he's he's been excellent, particularly the last two games, and um, he he deserves the praise that he's getting. He just drives us forward, and whereas sometimes we lack that bit of invention, which we'll probably go on to a little bit later with the Cardiff game. Um, he, he brings us something that sometimes he just he just runs at at the defence, which is what we need. Whereas I think a lot of the time we just play it too safe and, you know, we play it around the midfield, but we don't really attack. We don't really, you know, I mean, Sean Morrison today, um, big towering centre-halves, uh, Cardiff have, but they don't have pace. So you, you try to get in behind them. Um, obviously, we <laughs> we didn't do that. But Tav, I think, brings that and fair play. He's, he's been proving me wrong for a while now. Yeah, I feel like it's been on gas mark, not 0.545 games, and it's starting <laughs> to come through, isn't I think, it? I think what Dana said, though, and she said there, you know, in, in and out of the other, I think that sort of ca- kind of sums up Marcus Tavernier, though, um, is consistency. Uh, I think he needs to do it over a consistent period to, um, you know, to be considered. Um, I'm not going to say considered be, being still here next season because he, you know, we don't have many other good players to compete for him, really. So, um, but just to be at a higher end of the ch- sort of championship and be competing for something worth not going down, um, then you know we need him to be fo- be performing at better levels. He's still only twenty one, um, and build the team with flesh it out with some other players and and get rid of the dead wood. Yeah, well, we've got five or six games. Tav has started to probably build that foundation. I think he's been really good and and really solid and created openings and created the chances that we needed to because we have been quite poor in doing that. So, Els, is he actually starting to create that foundation now, do you think, to become that consistent player and to start like getting a, a run in the side more often? I think so. Um, I think it's uh, a thing I think which you guys were talking about with Dale Fire last week about coaching. Um, obviously, certain players um, perform better under different managers because of the either the coaching they're doing um, off the field and sort of the instructions that they're given to do when in matches. Um, and I think, obviously, Marcus Tavernier is benefiting from, um, you know, the, the wisdom of Neil Neil Warnock and, and the things he's asking him to do. And he's obviously putting in a lot of graft in training. So um, it's one of those where a lot of players can seem better than what they are sometimes and they can they can realise the full potential. Um, so with some of the young players that we do have, as well as Tav, you, you hope that Fry, Spence, Coles and Ainsley Pears can start to really perform consistently. Um, and sort of, you know, you can't fully eradicate mistakes. We're all human, but um, have less of them and perform well and obviously at the end of the day win, win football games, which we haven't done many of this season. You just know that Tav's going to have a stinker now uh, against Sheffield yeah, Wednesday. Now that, now we've raised him. Yeah, we, we always do it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that today. So uh, my friend Connor came around and he, we, were, we were watching the match with my dad and uh, I said about the 40, um, 46 minutes, I went, I went, you know what, Dyke Steele's played all right today. I've, I've been impressed in the last couple of games. About 30 seconds later, Dyke Steele's about 20 yards out of position. He's followed the ball, just left. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Murphy out and they've obviously just went and scored and I was like well uh, yeah. <laughs> thanks, thanks Johnny for the Borough Breakdown curse again so but let's chat about <laughs> let's chat about Cardiff and obviously with 50 points I was going into this game I was quite positive I was like you know Warnock knows about 10 out of the 11 of the players he knows the consistency levels 
Um, they're not a really good football inside, and we tend to play a little bit better against them. Three minutes in, one nil down. Um, and I want to chat about these three goals that, that Cardiff have scored because they're all, for me, they're all... <laughs> you can defend all three of them, really. I think they're all three massive mistakes. And, guys, I, I want to like ask the question, really. It's more or less of how disappointed with you with the with the reaction of today's performance because when you're at such a high and to put a shift in like we did at home again, we still haven't won since Boxing Day at home. Are you a little bit disappointed the way it's ended at the Riverside? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and I, I thought after the Reading game, because the confidence of obviously being a goal down and then coming back to win the game 2-1, I thought that would really spur us on. And like you said, Neil Warnock knows that Cardiff team inside out, but I don't think that he can really have much of an impact if the players are making individual mistakes like they did today. And unfortunately, it's been a pattern of our season where we will throw games away. We have poor mistakes, individual errors, um, not really coming to the, the fore as a team. Um, it's, it's so frustrating. The second time in two home games now that there's been a set piece our set piece and we've conceded from it that is absolutely ridiculous like Neil Warnock said it it's I can't remember his, his words but he was he was fuming with it um in the Bristol City game I think he said it was unacceptable at, the, at this level um it's unacceptable at any level really to have a corner kick or a free kick and then concede from it um Murphy literally had the the entire um, area of Teesside to run into to score that goal and oh, it's, it's just disappointing but Borough are a Jekyll and Hyde team we we seem to win away um, since QPR we've, we've won away and then come to the Riverside and continued the, the bad home form which is just disappointing but it's just part of our season this season isn't it? It seems like history is... Yeah I was going to say I wonder if it is just become so psychological now I was thinking when it, it started happening after the restart that, you know, maybe there's um, certain factors that might play into it. And obviously, like you say, we, we eradicated the fans and whatnot. But I said, you know, it might be a case that even with the, even with the fans gone, there's no kind of 12th man to sort of spur them on. Um, but obviously, to say it the same way, there's, there's no one there to kind of spur you on. But maybe it's just they know the stats in their head mm. and know, oh, God, we're, we're playing at home today. We haven't won since Boxing Day and it. I don't know if it's just it's just in their head. Um, or, you know, combining that with obviously um, not being as good. I think you know on paper, I think Cardiff have some really good players, um, and and that obviously plays into it as well. I thought Lee Tomlin was you know as as dangerous as he always is. Um, you know, Jacob Murphy's a very good player as well. Um, Will Volks was really good as well today. So um, it, it's one of those. I don't know if it's just when we're playing anyone at home, if you think about what is it, the four results has been three, three nil defeats and one, one nil defeat by Jordan Hugel who got injured in the process of scoring. That's, that's atrocious. We haven't scored a single goal. Um, I'm glad, I'm glad we didn't go to any of them. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just, I don't know what it is with, with Borough at home, but I'm glad, or I'm almost glad that the, the, the season's over and I hope we can, you know, um, finally get over the, over the line on Wednesday and just kind of put this season behind us. Well, Cardiff well, are the polar opposites of Borough, and they're just well-drilled well and organised and we're the exact opposite. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the a built from Neil Warnock, and they've just kept going with uh, with Neil Harris, and it the same that they've pretty much sealed the the playoff position now after today's win. And and speaking of goals, Els, I know that you you said we haven't scored many, but there has been a player that has been scoring. It's Britta Sambalonga. He's on the goal trail again. Um, he's the only Borough player to score 10-plus goals in, in the last four season, four consecutive seasons. Um, he's beat Scott McDonald's record now uh, in, in the championship, and he's very, very close to Mark Viduka's millennial record at the Riverside too. So does he deserve more credit, Britta Sambalonga? I know he's been getting peppered a lot. Obviously, the price tag doesn't help this cause. You know, he came in for £15, £16 million, pound, but he still scored goals in a very, very defensive side. Uh, do you think he deserves a little bit more credit, Els? It's, it's a good, it's a good job you said that actually, because I completely forgot about the goal today. Um, that's why I said three, <laughs> three little defeats. I just completely forgot. <laughs> it was a great scored. finish as well. Um, yeah, no, it great really was. Kick. I think it was just kind of, um, you know, I was, I was, it was sort of applauded it. I was like, you know, what a goal! And it was just kind of like then the performance went back to that, um, <laughs> and it was just kind of like yeah, I completely forgot about it. But um, yeah, no, we do have to give him credit um, in the time that he's been here. You know, we've been through four managers um, since he signed, and two of them have been, um, you know, primarily defensive-minded. Woodgate was an untested um, manager. He, you know, he'd never been a manager before. Um, so what he was sold um, on the, the vision and what the prospect would have been when he came in has been completely different, and yet he still managed to sort of pick himself up and... and and try and score goals, and in times as well where he's been left out of the side um, by Tony Pulis when he sort of had a long exile from the from the first team. Um, so yeah, I think I think he does deserve deserve the credit, but um, it's one of those where that you know the, the price tag does obviously hurt him. If we only get him for a, a couple of million, it'll be it'll be looked on a bit more fondly. Dana, would would you agree? Do you think he deserves a little bit more credit? No, yeah, I, I've always liked Britta Sambalonga. Um, like we mentioned last week, I'd I wouldn't have him in 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 any other team. Um, he has been unfortunate this season because he has been in and out of the starting lineup. We have usually alternated between him and, and Ashley Fletcher, but to get ten goals, I, I just I can't help but wonder how many goals he would have been had we had we have this creativity that we have lacked for so long. Um, mm-hmm. I genuinely think he would have almost amassed 20 uh, or, or reached 20, sorry. So it's, I know he's, he's Marmite. Um, you either like British on Belonga or you don't. Um, he is frustrating. He should have more goals than he has. Um, and most notably the, the game against Sheffield Wednesday when I think he had two, he missed two sitters. Um, yeah, two corkers. Yeah, I mean, that went in the Borough meme file, didn't it, as soon as that yeah. happened. But I do rate him. I really do rate Britta Sambalonga. And um, it's good that we've that he is on the goal trail now because it, it's a really important close of the season where Borough really need to confirm their safety. I know the, the Wigan appeal is, is subject to confirmation. So whilst that isn't confirmed, there's still a lingering um, sort of worry in the back of my mind. I mean, to be honest, I feel like that points deduction will go through um, and we, we won't be relegated. But... Um, it's good that we've got a striker now in in hot form. We still can't score goals, but you know, at least we've got someone that's trying. Yeah, it'd, it'd be typical Borough though for like Wigan not to get deducted points, and then we'll try to appeal it, and we'll get deducted points just because oh, we, we try to appeal it. <laughs> well, yeah, you know we've what been mean? It's totally right and fair, before. isn't it? 
Exactly, so, exactly. But in terms of what we would... Insi- I know you were mentioning there, Dylan, we haven't got any creativity at all. Neil Warnock's changed it a little bit and put Jed Spence um, from right back into right wing and even on left wing at, at some point um, in the last couple of games. And Do you think that seeing Jed in, in that more of an attacking position, I know I mentioned it in an earlier podcast, I'd like to see him there. You know, he had the pace there. I appreciate his, his crossing isn't as good as we wanted it to, want it to be. Um, but do you think seeing Jed in a, a position higher up the pitch, do you think it's helped or hindered his performances in the last couple of games? Go on, Al, you can answer it. Um, I don't know. I think, I think I'd probably say hindered, to be honest. I think we both know with, with Colson and Spence that, the, um, that going forward, they are very good. Uh, that's why we were always kind of leaning towards wing back formations and not putting them in um, as full backs in a back four. Uh, but I don't know. I think sometimes when he had the the space, um, when he was a wing back, he had the sort of the space to run into. I think when it's a bit congested, when he's kind of playing a bit more of a narrow four two three one, he isn't really comfortable trying to to take people on. Um, I don't feel. Um, and like you say, that the final ball isn't quite there as well. So I can see the thought process behind doing it. Um, and, you know, if, if we're going to kind of roll with this formation, which we have done in the past couple of weeks, I think out of all the games under Warnock, I think we had one game where we went back to a back five, but all the rest have been a back four. Um, then I can understand Coulson and Spence playing there. But uh, like I say, if we can keep hold of him, because I know obviously there's been interest from Premier League clubs this week from, from ESPN. So... Uh, yeah, I think it's a. It, there needs to be a decision on. Like you say, you can play both, but I think it needs to be a decision on his sort of final position. Um, I think his attacking qualities maybe outweigh his defensive ones. Yeah, I, for me, I don't think he suits it. I don't think he suits the 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 right attacking midfielder for me uh, position. I think it it just it just doesn't fit right. He, just, he definitely doesn't suit the left wing either. Um, it's just, it's just not for me. And I don't think it's for him either. I definitely think not, Spence, definitely not the left when he when he switched over yeah. today. He looked very very awkward there. Yeah, it, it's just it just doesn't suit him. And I think his best football this season has been where we've played a three at the back, and it's given the the protection defensively, uh, but allowed him to go forward, and it's given him allowed allowed him and allowed us to give him the plaudits he's deserved really in recent performances. I think he's been he's brilliant. He's been one of the best players to come through this year. Um, or best if you want to if you want to say like that. But in terms of his last couple of performances, I think they've been just a little bit under of what he's been doing previously. But I think if we're looking looking ahead to Chef Wednesday, I think Dyke Steele's kind of put him out the team a little bit because he's he's put in some good defensive uh, defensive displays. But also I would like to see maybe three left footers in that four two three one of Coulson, Roberts, and Tavernier. I think it could be a, a good attacking. Outset for us, um, but in terms of of everything else, we're going to be without Johnny Housen for the last game of the season. His red card obviously has ruled him out. He has signed a one year extension, but that doesn't mean pretty much anything in football. Um, but but given Dana that he's had a red card, he's been the most consistent Borough player this season. I think he's been excellent throughout. He's definitely been Borough's best player of the year. Um, but you th- you're disappointed the way he ended it today, end of this season. Yeah, he, he looked frustrated. It, it looked like a challenge that he made out of pure annoyance. And if I'm honest, I can't blame him. 
Um, you know, he's he's ended his season early, which is probably a good thing because this season has been awful, absolutely awful. And if I was one of the players, I'd probably want to end it early as well. But yeah, it was just ill-disciplined and, and borderline reckless. I don't know what he was really thinking um other than maybe just wanted to end the season early who knows but um it's I mean he'll be a miss because he is an experienced player and and it is a big game against Sheffield Wednesday for both teams so we need to win it to to stamp that safety um in there but yeah it was just a it was a challenge that was made through pure annoyance you could see it in the replay He, he he looked genuinely annoyed when he made that challenge and um Unfortunately, you know, he got the red card. Yeah, it looked like Neil uh, said a, a few harsh words as he was walking off. If oh, you, he if looked furious, didn't he? Oh, yeah. he, he, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go on, Nels. I was just going to say it was, it was a challenge that um, looked as if to say, why have I signed a one-year contract? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's, that's exactly what it looked like. Exactly. Um, and, and yeah, like you say, I, I don't blame him. Yeah, and I was... Uh, I think it's, I'm gonna quote your eldest one of them in board in the board round board breakdown bingo, and it, it's just like I can see why I can't see why he's done it. To be honest, it's it is frustration, but for someone who's so professional and been so consistent this season, I think it's really disappointing the way it ended. And you know, obviously you can you can have a go at a lot of other players like Ayala, Gested, Shotton. Obviously, of obviously not. I won't say downhill. Shotton's probably a, a bit of a, a different example, but. Gestead and Ayal are not signing contracts. They're more frustrating. But Howison, he's done everything right. And obviously, just one lapse in concentration, he could potentially get pelters from fans for what he's done there. But um, it's disappointing not to have him on the last day of the season. He's done so much in the, in the short period of time. He helps us get us up the pitch as well and helps us defensively too. So, disappointing. But um, I want to chat with George Friend very quickly. If you haven't seen it on your phones, uh, there's obviously been a photo being released of George uh, sat on the bench, um, topless dinner. If you're if you're interested, <laughs> uh, he already had the calendar. Yeah, he already had the calendar. <laughs> it's uh, still up, by the way. It's still it's up. Still, what just just on George Friends? It's, it's still just like he's he's on December. You're just leaving it on December. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> been December for three. It's been December for three years. <laughs> um, but look, George Friends. It's I think it's really really sad the way his Borough career is probably going to end. For me, I don't think he's going to get another deal. I don't think, unless we were to give him something more of like a, a player coach role. Guys, it, it, do you think George Friend deserves a much better send-off for what for everything that he's done? Do you think a better send-off is probably needed for George? Probably. Um, but knowing what the, the club is like and... In the hierarchy, we, you know, we've heard stories about, um, you know, in the past with you know, Max Water and how long he served, and you know, nothing. The club didn't really do anything for that, um, and you just think there's no kind of system in place for that to kind of reward it. I think um, the the sort of good feelings in the club come from people who work further down. I think that they enjoy the time being there, working with the coaches and and people at a lower level, but. Um, I don't kind of want to bring this back to sort of the the board and people higher because it is about it's about George Friend, but I don't think there'll be anything really special done for him. Just knowing for what other players that have served over the years, um, unless it's probably someone local. Uh, so yeah, it's a real shame. But I think 
partly, it, you know, it perhaps could be a good thing. You know, it's time where we need to move on from the era of Ayala, Friend, um, Clayton, Clayton and so on um, and start afresh and build a, a new spine of the team. Um, and hopefully, as we keep saying, sort of work towards a, a project, really, because we, we've ebbed and flowed for the past two or three years and we've seen what it's led to this season where the, the squad is just an absolute mess um we've had to bring in albeit that you know they've turned out to have some very good performances but bring through um players that we maybe didn't even expect to start this year um so yeah yeah he has been a great servant for the club though on and off the pitch and i know obviously on the pitch recently we can acknowledge that he's you know his his legs are gone his performances have have dipped considerably but it's good to also acknowledge and recognize the good times and you know he was yeah. a part of that I think he was in the PFA team of the year in 2014-15 alongside Clayton and you know he, we picked him up for a hundred thousand pounds for Doncaster nobody would have, would have expected that he would go on to be such a good player for us and I mean it is it is such a shame um you know I've I've always been a massive fan of of George Friend but unfortunately it does seem as though his his board days are near in the end Mm. It is. It is sad, but I think he's both absolutely spot on. Um, I think friend does deserve the recognition and appreciate his performances. You know, obviously, I want his legs have gone. He's tried to revert into a uh, centre back, and he has shown his leadership qualities um, in the last couple of games. But unfortunately, I think it's probably time that we we do part ways with him. But obviously, there was no Adam Clayton today. There was no Ravel Morrison either. Um, Adam Clayton was apparently given leave by uh, Neil Warnock today to spend time with his family, and there was just no Ravel Morrison completely. Seems to me that Ravel's definitely not going to sign a contract with us, and it looks he's been released from Sheffield United as well, which I think is disappointing. I think he had so much potential to to really settle here and, and obviously have something some sort of impact, but it just hasn't worked out like it hasn't worked out at other clubs. And obviously with Adam Clayton, we don't know the ins and outs of it. I appreciate he has obviously had to spend time a lot more time with his family, just given recent circumstances. So, but we, even with Adam Clayton as well, I think you're right, Els. I think we have to get past this this part now and get start to build a new spine. And it kind of reminds me a little bit about the Tony Mowbray era. And the reason why I say it is when Mowbray came in, we needed a new spine then. And when you look at Mowbray's stats when we first started, we would only win away games at first and we were terrible at home for a good period of time. And we'd always come back in games where we would get, we'd concede first and we'd somehow try and start playing after that. Um, it's, for me, it, it's starting to like, have that same traction again for whatever reason. It kind of moves us on to the next question, really. And it's on Ben Strickland. Um, he's asking about the long term. Should we stick with Warnock or should we go something go more long-term and put a project in place. I know we spoke about it a long time, but Dana, um, are you horny for Warney or are you just wanting a, a different manager to come in and just rip things up and start again? Oh, I can't believe people were actually tweeting that after you put it the other day. Horny for Warney? Look, it sells. It, it sells. <laughs> like if, if, we, if we wanted to bring out T-shirts saying horny for Warney, we would borrow a breakdown logo. We could, we could sell that. We could sell that, you know, give all the give all the profits to charity or whatever we want to do. But uh, it's just, hey, horny for horny. It works. Well, I can't say I am. Um, I think in regards to Neil Warnock, I am firmly on the fence because uh, I put on Twitter yesterday, he's not a long-term fix for Borough. He's a manager. I think he'll be 72 by the time the next season starts or something like that. So, um, 
he's not a long-term manager. So I think he's he'll probably come in and, and stabilize the club. Um, but for me, I, I I want a long term project. And somebody on Twitter said that projects are merely fantasy, which is kind of true in um, in Borough's in the context of Borough of the recent um, recent years. But uh, for me, and I don't know whether it's important to anyone else, uh, but. I firmly believe we need somebody to reconnect the fans with the football club because there's been a notable disconnect in, in recent years. Um, it started under Gary Monk, I'd say, and then it, it became complete apathy under under Tony Pulis. And it is said a lot in football that football without the fans is nothing and it doesn't ring more true than uh, the North East and, and in Teesside. Um, and Millsborough Football Club is what, is what puts Millsborough on the map. And, and I'm not saying we need to be put on the map, but it's evoking that sense of pride and... I personally just want something to believe in again and, and I really hope whoever gets the job um, re-engages that, that spirit because it is a really uh, really powerful tool towards growth and, and progression and, and if that's Warnock so be it, I'm not averse to that but I just don't want it to be a case of Borough going in with a manager for you know 12 months, him bringing in his types of players and then going with a completely different direction. Um, and like you know, if if it is Warnock, um, that transition between Warnock and then and his successor needs to be spot on. Else, mm. would you agree? Uh, it's it's an interesting point on you know uh, sort of philosophy or project being being a fantasy, and you know it, it probably is for for a lot of teams when we've picked out examples um, of other teams, and I'll make sure people know I don't Daniel Farker isn't Brentford manager before I say this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Farker um, at Norwich or Thomas Frank at, at Brentford so, you know that, that they might not go up now after they bottled it today but um, other examples where you've seen in the past where teams have a good two or three year um, period and perhaps even can take it on for longer you know Burnley uh, have had Sean Dyche for quite a long time now and uh, again uh, um, probably exceeding expectations in, in the Premier League um, and I think you know if you do get all of the ingredients right um, you can create a bit of a, uh, you know, a short legacy because, you know, in football anyway, you never get the sort of Wengers and, and Fergies anyway. Um, and then it will transition to someone new when it starts to get a bit stale or the squad's aged a little bit. Um, but, you know, seconding that, I think, in my opinion, if we're going to look for someone, um, regardless of just sort of Neil Warnock's um, age and... Um, and everything like that. I think just style of play comes into it, and I think for me, even for the, even the games we've won, um, Stoke, Millwall, um, and Reading, they haven't they haven't excited me at all. You know, at the end of the day, we have some kind of um, affiliation to the club that we you know we've supported for a very long time, um, but it, it's still it's entertainment, um, and there's no there's not much entertainment value with. Um, the the brand of football that Neil Warnock plays and what Tony Pulis is playing, um, I, I'll give credit to Warnock and it's slightly better um, than P- Pulis was. You know, hundred percent against what what the philosophy of football is. Um, Warnock actually plays um, full backs or wing backs in their position. He doesn't he doesn't try and squeeze centre backs out wide. Um, but you know, just just playing long balls and looking for for second balls and. Um, always having 40 percent possession every game um, is not what is exciting to watch. You're just kind of watching the game coast by and hope we nick a goal from a, a set piece. Um, 
we need something where it's a bit more exciting. Uh, passing the ball around, trying to emulate some sort of tiki taka approach, and um, you know, it be fast, entertaining, attacking football. Um, obviously, it's hard to implement. You need the right players to do so. Um, but if you start by getting the, the management team and the coaching in who, who want to do that, then you can start to look and identify the right types of players. So, um, in summary, I'm not horny for Warney. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'll leave it as a it good sells, tweet. Then, uh... It sells, but I'm not a horny for one here. Can we not just get Tony Mowbray back? Hashtag Borny for Tony. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm down for all of that. Seriously, though, he would be a good pick for Borough right now because I think really we would, do need yeah. that. We do need a, a new core of a team to be brought in. Um, I'd Percy, don't think anybody that's out of contract, uh, Marvin Johnson, George Friend, Adam Clayton, I don't think they'll get new deals. Um, so we need a new core. We need a new spine of the team. Um, Tony Moore reassembled that uh, core that Italk Aranka had success with. And he honestly would be the perfect pick for Borough going forward. But obviously he's at, he's at Blackburn. So unfortunately he's, he's he assembled that on a, on a budget as well, as you said. You know, the yeah, very true. thousand for um, George Friend, I think, uh, was it... You know, five hundred thousand for. Uh, I'm thinking, was it Albert Adoma, and then I'm um, getting mixed up between us. It Danny Ayala. One of them was five hundred, and one was Ayala three. was Ayala was three hundred thousand. It was initial loan. It was three hundred k. Um, George Friend was just under a hundred k, and Albert Adoma was around about one point eight million. Okay. I thought it was cheaper than that. I thought it was like a million. Yeah. Yeah, well. <laughs> I mean, either way, it's a, a far cry away from the deals that we're doing nowadays. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly, yeah. I think you've both, like said, really valid points. And I think that it's it makes sense not being horny for horny. Um, it could be horny for Tony. But it's, uh, I think is a boss one. I think, I think when you look at results, uh, we are Mills for Football Club. We don't have the identity yet. Um, we're not seen as like a Barcelona or Manchester United who have really good history of playing a certain way and having a certain culture. Um, but that doesn't mean it can start from tomorrow. You know, you can you can bring a manager and really stamp down and create something to be something really special and build a dynasty over five, ten, fifteen years. It can still happen in football. You know, look great look of ends with that Wickham. Um, he's took them up and he's been there for eight eight to nine years. Look, I think Solskjaer, what he's doing now at Man United, I think he's going to be there for a few years now. I think he's starting to build something really special there. And um, I was only going to emulate Fergie, but I think he's doing something well there. Pep at City. Um, obviously, they're obviously different examples, but um, when you look at Brentford, I think, for example, was it was a perfect point, Ellis, when you mentioned that got the right players in. It's all based off data. They've got Tom, uh, they've got Frank in there, who's just it's just perfect for when he came through. You know, they could replace Dean Smith with Frank because it just he had that same philosophy and style that what Dean Smith had, and it pretty much the heart of the club. Um, I would notice today that Brentford have a head like a head coach for different elements of the play. So they have a head, head, have a head coach for set pieces. They have a head coach for defending. They have a head coach for midfield and strike. And obviously they have a manager as well. They have a team for recruitment, recruiting certain players. They have like team, you know, like they have a team for just solely focused on the opposition. It's really well run oil machine at, uh, at Brentford. And obviously if you look at Leeds as well, uh, Marcel yeah, Bielsa had it. Bielsa, yeah. Yeah. Bielsa had an eight page uh, Dosser on a goalkeeper who was a third choice goalkeeper who hadn't played in eight months. Like it's ridiculous how much detail they people go into, and 
unfortunately, you were in a game now where you can't cut corners. You've got to put the time and effort in to try yeah. and build something special. And that would be the only criticism I'd have as Warnock if it was to be a one-year deal. Uh, it's not really forward-thinking. It's kind of filling the gap and for maybe the next manager to take over. And I think he's a boss spot on when you both mention it. I think I would be horny for Warnie if it was for one year. Um, I think it makes sense if he's going to try and address things from top to bottom and then try and stay in the club. Uh, but if he's going to do one year, shake hands and leave, then it's kind of like, well, what can, what can we do? And what managers are out there and what managers can we afford uh, to try and take the club forward again? Um, obviously, as a young Spanish prince available in the basket. Um, <laughs> Never going to happen. Never. That, that's, a, that's a perfect example as well, though, of when Craig came in where he implemented the style and he, you know, he had he had discipline. Um, yes, maybe the, the foundations weren't um, put around as well um, in the club to do so, but you've seen, and obviously there'll have been other names that we, we won't have, have seen at the time, but Victor Otto was one where um, mm. he clearly had a different role to something that we don't have now. Um, and it seems as though um, if he was sort of allowed the time to build more and continue going um obviously who knows it, it's all in hindsight now but it, it's one of those where things were in place that the the, ta- the team identity was there obviously we missed out on a few key targets that's a setback in in a transfer window um but you know there might have been as more money came in if we managed to stay up in the premier league um that season we could have reinvested into a couple more staff members which then would have helped the players that season, um, we would have replaced Gaston Ramirez as he wanted out. Um, and, you know, you continue to build from there. And, and that's what's happened with, with Burnley, really. Obviously, they had to go down once again to do it. Um, but they, they kept hold of all of their squad. Uh, yeah. And I think if, if we try to do something like that again, I, I think the ship's obviously firmly sailed on, on Karanka. I don't think that's ever going to happen. But um, and it's one of those where, you know, we don't really have names off the top of our head. All of these known names, we we know the, the things that they, they do. Um, the one that obviously springs to mind is, is one which you mentioned in, in Mowbray. But um, there'll be people out there who in the club, you could look and you think, yes, it's a bit of a risk. You can maybe look to see if they've had one or two jobs before it. You know, Th- Thomas Frank was an example. He'd been managing Bronby, I think, before going to... Um, Brentford and then he, he went in as a, a coach or an assistant manager um, yeah. at Brentford and then and then sort of moved up uh, when Dean Smith left um, but you know we might might not want to go down the route of Woodgate you know just, just getting someone in when the, they've had one scouting role and that's it you, you want something with a little bit more um, but it, it could work out better than perhaps a, an experienced manager but I'm, I'm open to either I, you know if it's a Tony Mowbray or Nigel Pearson for example is another name that's always touted. Um, or that versus, you know, a Thomas Frank or right, a Karank, and they'd all be they'd all be good fits because they, they have their team identities and if the club can give assurances that other things will be brought in um in terms of staffing and um you know data and things as you mentioned with uh, uh you know eight page dotters on third third choice goalkeepers then then it will be a recipe for success um, over time. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think that's a route we need to go down than, than one-year deals and, and changing philosophies. Well, you watch uh, Ravinelli throw his hat into the ring for the uh, for the Borough job. 
Ravinelli will come in. He'll bring in twelve Italian players, and uh... <laughs> he'll he'll drive up to Rockcliffe like Peter Rod and Wingy on the deadline day, <laughs> trying <laughs> to get in. No one, absolutely no one. Ravinelli, I love Middlesbrough. Make me manager one day. <laughs> Well, he'll, just like, he'll come with an entourage, won't he? Like we've always heard of what he was like with it. Yeah. Like, he was always really flashy, and you know he was he was different to to what everyone else was. But um, he'll have had his ways, and and you know being a top player obviously helps because of the situations you'll have been in as a player. You'll see now how it's well ran at top clubs, like like he had. You know he was at, he was at Juventus, so mm. he'll know how differently Juventus was run compared to Middlesbrough. Just uh, just in an ideal world, who would you have as manager next season if you could? If you could pick, uh, as I said, I, I mean, I wouldn't be averse to an unknown name. Um, but out of the known names, I, I think that the two I said were obviously the two that I, I think I would prefer out with Tony Mowbray and Nigel Pearson, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I'd Dana? be the same. I'd be the same. Um, I mean, we wouldn't get Tony Mowbray from from Blackburn, I don't think. But if for whatever reason he's just unemployed, and he or wants becomes to come back unemployed, to yeah. Just, just bring him back. I mean, he did the job when, um, when we were in a similar situation to what we are in now, and I just think that he's a perfect pick. Yeah, hear me out. Call oh, me God. crazy. In an ideal world, and we had the funds to do it. Warnock, director of football. Stephen Gerrard as manager. I yeah. was thinking Call Gerrard. Me, no, I was thinking Gerard, but it's more because I think he was one of my favourite players. <laughs> it would could, just be could great bring, about could bring in the names, you know. He could he could bring mm. in some good could bring in the names, you know. He's got the culture background of Liverpool, that 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 high level culture and trying to stamp his authority. He's done quite well with with, with Rangers, you know. He's done quite a bit in the, in the Europa League, but yes, obviously Scottish football is not particularly great as we we know. Um, but you never know. Could bring him in. Gerard brings McAllister with him. You know he's got Neil Warnock there. You've got some good football in brains. You know get, if you get some good data guys around it, you never know. I think that's I think that's a solid pick. Obviously, it's an ideal world, and you you'd never. You, obviously, in a Borough world, we would just get like Steve from the Dickens Osmet to get take charge. You know what I mean? So it's like. Uh, I mean, John sorry. Google's former. Uh, and play, yeah, you know what I mean. Worker. So. It could be. Obviously. It could be an. It could be an interesting one. It, it's um. Obviously, with that, I think uh, a lot of managers obviously want to be in in English football and even like at championship level to perhaps take a team up, um, and then they get that on their CV of getting a team out of the championship, which is which is obviously quite hard, um, and then possibly move on to a different job. And you know, Lampard even got the job without even getting Derby up. So, um, you know, well, finishing well, look, second to Celtic is you know <laughs> it's not much in the, in the Scottish look he's got three he's got to wait three years for Klopp to leave Liverpool anyway so it makes sense you know a quick three-year project that Borough working on working with Warnock and uh, McAllister still good football in names you know uh, I, I, I don't know it's I'll probably get pellets for that you know what I mean I'll get some really aggressive DMs shortly for probably even <laughs> suggesting that I stand uh, with Johnny I st- hashtag I stand with Johnny hashtag horny for horny for horny um, <laughs> but let's chat about Sheffield Wednesday last game of the season guys in a season that has been so long and possibly one of the worst seasons I think I've ever witnessed as a Borough fan um, let's chat about Sheffield Wednesday last game of the season of course the Riverside uh, they were 4-1 up after 36 minutes uh, <laughs> we might need to get something because we don't know Wigan's results yet. Um, but 
I think ideally, I think everyone would like to know where Wigan stand before Wednesday. I think that'll be that'll be the perfect scenario. I think it just makes sense for everyone because I think no one knows what they're going to be fighting for. Um, but let's chat about Sheffield Wednesday. What have you got any stats and anything for us I've to delve into? Yeah, I've got a few stats. Um, they got beat by Fulham today, uh, five, five two or five five, five, five three. Five three. Yeah. Um. I mean, I read the the match report in the Sheffield Star and, and they're all saying that Gary Monk is, is under pressure um, and it's a big game on Wednesday because they're facing a possible points deduction as well um, I don't think it'll happen but whilst it's still lingering over them um, they'll be looking over their shoulders um, they are 21st in the form table one win one draw and four defeats in their last six uh, they've had one win in 10 at Hillsborough um, I was looking into Adi Nui because I said last week he's, I'm pretty sure he's got a good record against Borough and he does. Um, he scored four goals um, and registered an assist in his last four games against Borough. Their top scorers just run through uh, the top five. Uh, Stephen Fletcher's on 13. Jacob Murphy's on eight. Uh, Nui, who I've just mentioned, there's on six. I think he reached uh, 50 goals for Sheffield Wednesday today. Uh, Kadeem Harris and Massimo Luongo are both on three and then the top assisters uh barry bannon who tore us apart at the riverside in the reverse fixture is on eight uh former borough player and academy graduate adam reach is on six and jacob murphy is on four so it is a big game for them um i think they'll want to end the season on a high um but the, like i said there's there's pressure on gary monk i think the fans are starting to turn against him <laughs> Shocked but not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> the second half of the season for them has been terrible, hasn't it? They started off quite well and then, yeah, the, the second half of the season and since coming back from, from the restart, um, they've been atrocious. Uh, much like uh, Birmingham have been the same as well. And I was sort of looking on the form. I'm sure Birmingham must be down near the bottom of that firm, um, form table. Um, but yeah, no, it is. It's, it's a strange one because on paper, like you said, they do have some good players, and we've seen how much they, they can um, rip us apart. Um, I don't know if they've kind of recently changed to the the current formation that they're in. Um, the one that they played today, they played a three-five-two. Um, they've more over the season played with a four at the back. So I don't know if it's just a the says they've used it six times this season, so it's a, a recent change. Um, but yeah, I'd seen Odebajo and Kadeem Harris uh, moves wing backs. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what, what we do, whether we kind of stick with that back four. Because I think if you do have some, especially if you're playing sort of the right and left attacking midfield is a bit narrow um, with Tavin there uh, as one of them, then I think we could possibly get him behind. And given the fact that it's an away game, we tend to do better. Um, so I'm, I'm quite looking forward to watching it. I'm, I'm always, uh, I'm glad there's no more home games left. Um, but yeah, uh, as you said, uh, 5-3 defeat um, today. It was, a, it was a bit all over the place when I kept checking checking the result. Um, quite a few goals right at the end as well, a red card for Fulham. Um, but as you mentioned about the form there, Dana, I think since the restart... So you said they've been one in the last six um, mm. since the restart. In general, they've only won two. Uh, so they beat Bristol City away from home to one and beat QPR 3-0 away. Um, but overall, uh, haven't been great. So I think 
Although the pressure is on, on us slightly as well, um, they'll want to finish the season on a high last home game. If he's under pressure, you know, if, if it comes with the defeat in the final game, it, you know, could look at a sacking for, for Gary Monk as well. So, um, yeah, uh, I think we've strangely after you know a three 0 defeat, I think we've uh, we've got a chance now. I'm, I'm fairly optimistic. Three one, Els. Three one. You keep forgetting that goal. Yeah, I know. I keep forgetting that goal. Keep forgetting it. <laughs> we need to we need to put it on social were media. So I just keep seeing it on the loop. No, 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 I wish I was having a drink to get me through, but no, I wasn't. I wasn't on the concourse. I'm surprised you keep forgetting it because uh, Matt Page blasted pig bag after it for <laughs> some unknown reason. I mean, three yeah. one consolation goal. You got pig bag blaring out from the PA system. How it? Well, he, knew Le- he knew Leo and Ke- uh, Kevin Blackwell would love it. He's, he's, he's going to be so upset, you know, because I got a feeling getting dust on his on the CD now. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. Oh, that was God. that was the best thing after a home win, wasn't it? And yeah, Boxing Day. It's, uh, yeah, God, I'm sure I'm, he might I'm have sad. played it after like that Tottenham game, won't we, Drew? Though I'd be like, because he thought, oh, this is kind of like a win. We've got to replay the FA Cup against the Premier League team. We'll play like it again. I feel like we should just sign this podcast off of I Got a Feeling by the Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Sponsored by oh, Jason God. Right, anyway, guys, for the last time of the season, um, let's, get, let's hear your score predictions. Um, I'm going to go with uh, a draw. We haven't had one yet. Um, under, I need to say Tony Pulis, so under Neil Warnock. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, a draw, I think, should kind of seal our survival as well, shouldn't it? Um, even if, you know, because we're looking at the goal differences, Luton as well. So, um, and the, the form both teams are in, just want to get the season over with. I'm going to go with the draw. I'll go, I'll go one all. Diana? Oh, um, I think I'm going to lean on the optimistic side this time and say 2 1 to Borough. 2 1 to Borough. I'm going to go a 2 all draw as well. Um, I think we'll I think we'll scrape a point, but I can never see us keeping a clean sheet. Uh, but who knows? Anyway, guys, thank you very much for that, and that pretty much wraps things up. So, guys, if you listen to us on the podcast apps, uh, if you can get, leave us a five star rating um, on on Apple Podcasts, and you know, if you give us a follow on there, that'd be absolutely perfect. Um, but in the next podcast, um, it will be an end of season show. Um, we're going to go through the whole of the season from start to finish and dissect the most entertaining season that we've had as Millsborough fans uh, but this has been the Borough Breakdown podcast my name is Johnny I'm with Dana and Elliot we're all horny for Warney Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.